Big Welcome, Megatron. said that I am a Unicron. Show yourself. I have summoned you here for a purpose. Nobody summons Megatron. Then it pleases me to be the first. State your business. This is my command. You are to destroy the Autobot Matrix of Leadership. It is the one thing, the only thing, that can stand in my way. You have nothing to fear. I have already crushed Optimus Prime with my bare hands. You exaggerate. The point is he's dead, and the Matrix died with him. No, the point is you are a fool. <laughs> Hey everybody, I'm Joel Murphy. And I'm Andy McIntyre. And this is Silver Linings Playback, the podcast where we watch maligned movies and we find their silver linings. And in the spirit of blasting past Thanksgiving and getting to the holiday season, uh, we are doing movies this month that are all based on toys from the 80s. And these are all actually movies from the 80s. Uh, And we are starting with the 1986 Transformers the Movie. Uh, and here to join us once again, friend of the show, Jonathan Davenport, Baweep Grana, Weep Ninibong. <laughs> oh, the universal greeting works every time. <laughs> every time. Fellas, I am so full of joy to be with you on this episode. I'm so happy. I couldn't be happier. Um, <laughs> if, if there was like a, a, a little like a brain meter, like hooked up to my noggin, and you started playing those clips, you'd see spikes like crazy. I love it so much. I can't believe this is silver linings. This should just be like uh, gold, like pure gold, undisputed. These are classics. Yeah, the yeah. audience couldn't see you mouthing along to that intro. You were you were word perfect. Oh. Andy too, though. Yeah. I saw it. <laughs> um, yeah, so I also adore this movie um and i think the only way that we'll be able to successfully malign it and and joel might be able to legitimately malign it it would um, be funny if i was here to be like no like i'm the (laughs) one dissenting opinion this is bad (laughs) no Um, yeah this is nostalgia like yeah yeah. like i think because this movie is flawed we can't pretend that it isn't it's (laughs) I mean, from from a so I think the only way to actually get to what might possibly be considered maligning is if we talked about it from the perspective of someone who had no nostalgia for Transformers trying to watch the. Well, how about this? We'll do that for like. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I have a quote from someone who has no nostalgia for Transformers. Uh, Orson Welles. Uh, this is I think this counts as a silver lining though because I know the quote you're going to give but. and this is this is also help us get into to, talking about the film this is from this is his quote on the movie I play a planet I menace somebody called something or other 
Then I'm destroyed. My plan to destroy whoever it is is thwarted, and I tear myself apart on the screen. Accurate. Yeah. Accurate. Yeah. I mean, the man Bias. understood story. <laughs> Beginning, middle, end. Yeah, that's not the quote I thought you were going to play. Like, it was another quote when he was asked about it. He's like, I play a toy that eats other toys. Yes. Also accurate. Yeah, I mean, that to me, the only thing that I would malign about this movie is it might have killed Orson Welles, one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. But and possibly Scatman Crothers like this movie has a body count and it's not just on screen. (laughs) It is the final film. The last thing Scatman Crothers did, too. Yep. Scatman Crothers and Orson Welles final film. Yeah, I knew about Orson Welles that this was the last. Thing that one of the last things that he did the like, last, i think there's like yeah. technically a tv special that like came out afterwards but this was the last work that he did yeah um i did not know about scatman, scatman crothers though uh i love scatman crothers he is an all-time great voice actor and he's awesome in the shining yeah what a career honestly like <laughs> <laughs> hong kong fooey the shining and jazz <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's it, you know, really runs the gamut. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't I I I don't know where to start. I I can gush about the movie, but if we if we're following the formula and we're talking about why it's uh, yeah. Well, let's say this, because I think all three of us are are writers. I think that's fair to say. And uh, look, I I have nothing but love and enjoyment for this movie but if we're all being honest with ourselves i i don't even know if i could accurately tell you the plot from a like from beginning to end i could do an orson welles version but like there's a bit of a slap together feel to the narrative if we're being fair how dare you first of all this (laughs) Is a classic road trip film. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There's there's like a thing we have to go get it, and then they just set off into space and they go from location to location. It's exactly like road trip. Do you love road trip? <laughs> no. This is road trip. This is road trip. <laughs> this is road trip with characters who are actually cars. It's the most appropriate thing. That's true. That is. I mean. I think I hadn't thought about looking this at the pers- as the perspective of a road movie. Um, I think it is really obvious that this movie was written by people used to writing 22 minute plots. Yes. Because right. uh, there's like four 22 minute plots in this four to five. Um, and at the end of the month, when we talk about G.I. Joe, the movie will very much hit that point home. Oh, I just uh, saw that in theaters. I yeah, I saw that it just got released this year. I didn't go. I didn't I miss I didn't notice that it happened. I I Uh, would have. Um, but yeah, another friend of the show, Sean Smith, who's guested a number of times. uh, I actually still have his DVD copy of G.I. Joe the movie that I borrowed like 15 years ago and (laughs) will one day return to him someday, someday soon. Yeah. Um, no, this like. This this movie is very episodic, much like the show Transformers. Uh, likewise, if you're coming in cold, because it very much like segues from the show that there's like, if you haven't watched the show, you have no idea why anything is happening. <laughs> I think that's fair. Although, um, if you didn't watch the show about 20 minutes in, it doesn't matter. 
Yeah, that's true. They they erase a lot of people <laughs> well, real that's, quick. I mean, maybe. And that's the other thing is that I would imagine a possible reason to malign this movie is if you love a lot of Autobots, you're watching them just be mowed down, including Optimus Prime. Like this film is not age appropriate for anyone. No, <laughs> I. OK, here's my here's my Transformers, the movie story. Um. My favorite, other than, you know, the big six, my favorite Autobot was Prowl, the police car. And um, as was pretty typical of my family, when it was time to go see the movie in theaters, uh, my mom brought us there late. So me and my pal Michael uh, made our way into the theater, like running, oh, we got to get in here, Uh, we're running late. Swung the door open as Prowl. is shot to death. <laughs> and as you recall, he has a pretty horrible, like of all the Autobots, he has one of the worst ones, like with the eyes turning orange and the smoke coming out of his mouth and falls oh. over. That was my first image Oof. from the movie. He goes out like a boss. <laughs> he does. He Although does. I, I feel like he's second to Optimus Prime because when the color goes out of Optimus Prime, it's super upsetting, like just visually. <laughs> I mean, because I think... At- everybody's favorite was Optimus. Like yeah. he was, he was the hero that everybody loved. Like, I don't know anyone that's like, ah, fuck Optimus prime. Like that's right. no one's attitude except Megatron. Um, Orson <laughs> yeah. Orson Welles, <laughs> but like, yeah. How funny would it be if Orson Welles knew it that well to be like, I am not a fan of Optimus prime. <laughs> this, is, this is the role I've been dreaming of. To- uh, the French. <laughs> um, but yeah, like, no, Prowl goes out like a G and then actually shows up in the big uh, Metroplex battle again because this movie's not the most well made. Does he show up a second time? Yeah, he's oh, in. No. He, um, Is he yeah, like flying it, by maybe? Yeah, okay, just very okay, quickly. It just like kind of goes by the screen. Uh, there's a few instances of that, um, like the Insecticons. Uh, they all show up a few other times um, after Shrapnel and, and Slag. All, they all get turned into the sweeps. Right. Uh, you know, um, so continuity, that's that's a, that's something. Yes. yes. For, for this movie, that's definitely, you know, and I mean, I feel when was this made? I mean, uh, 86. 86? When it came yeah, out. I wanted to say 86. Yeah. Yeah. Right after season two. Yeah. OK, so was season two being animated when this was being made? Season you know? two had had finished airing before this was released in theaters. So they might have been being made concurrently. It kind of makes sense because um, I feel like aside from Blaster, there's no sign of, you know, smokescreen tracks, hoist, inferno, red alert or grapple. So you don't see a lot of those that second generation of guys in there. Um, but I feel bad for the animators. Like, look, if you look at Super Friends, like those animators have a hard time just keeping the S from being inverted. Right. So now you've got like a roster of like 27. And if you're not into the show, just freaking robots that you're trying to keep straight. They show up like, have you seen the storyboards? Like they're actually labeling them. So they're, they're helping. They're trying, they're doing their best, but man, um, what a chore. Like if you're not into it, how could you possibly keep it straight? This reminds me uh, when I moved into this apartment that I live in, one of my neighbors, when I first moved here was a animator for Disney, this guy Paulino, who was awesome. And he worked like in all the 90s stuff. But I remember one of the things he worked on was uh, the Lion King, the 
uh, part where Timon and Pumbaa are eating the Hakuna Matata with the eating the bugs. And he yeah. talked about because he painted the cells of when they go into the log and then they come out on the other side, all the individual bugs. And he described that's it cool. as a wonderful puzzle to get lost in. And so I hope that that's <laughs> how the animators felt, but they might not. Have. <laughs> so many things you're saying should be the log line for this movie. <laughs> a wonderful puzzle to get lost in would be a great tagline. Uh, the other thing I, I did see on the IMDb, and I, it's funny because I checked this with Andy and I'll check this with you. Now, I don't know what version of this you watch. So I bought the Blu-ray of this, which is the like the more recent. It's either the 30th or the 35th anniversary uh, one that came out. But in my version, Hot Rod is pink. And that is because they seemed to think that he was supposed to be. But there wasn't great communication between the art department, the toy department and like the animators on coordinating because they didn't want to give away his color scheme to kind of tip the ending. So he was supposed to be pink, according to the people that released this, the version that I watched that like restored that color. That's very interesting. Andy, what's your take on this? Did you have you? heard about this do you research in this at all um i i hadn't heard it until joel brought it up but all of it seems to check out that there is a version that were based on like very early things but like every hot rod because i owned both hot rod and rodimus prime as a a young lad and it was very much the hulk hogan of transformers with bright reds and yellows (laughs) reds and yellows makes sense right because it's the flame motif on on the uh, hot rod it it all tracks Right. So I don't understand, like, Joy, completely right. Every time they release a new version of this movie, and I buy it, uh, <laughs> uh, I have so many versions of this, it's ridiculous. Hot Rod gets more and more pushed into the, the pink realm. Like, it started with a magenta, which is like, eh, it's cool. And, like, the pink hues just keep getting pushed and pushed and pushed. And they keep saying, like, we remastered it. He's even more pink now. Yeah. I don't get it. And it doesn't make any sense because obviously he should be flame colors. I think it's this. Everybody is big RC fans. And so (laughs) uh, they're just trying to RC for those of you that aren't transformer dorks is the lone girl transformer in, (laughs) in the early days of transformers. I didn't bring her to the table because of the small ankles and I didn't know how excited I would be. And I didn't want to knock her over, but she's here. Yeah, that's fair. Um, oh, but yeah, it's yeah. the the Shout Factory. That was I couldn't remember the name is the one yes. that I have. And that's like the most recent one. And that and he's like hot pink, I think, in that version. And Do you know about the, the, the cursing versions? I have the cursing version. I knew I knew you would. But does Joel know that there was a version without cursing at some point? I yeah I I mean that makes sense I but I did not know yeah I don't know the extent of this if you want to here's the lore <laughs> so again that same screening where I walked in and saw Prowl eat it um you know this was the 80s and there's no way to see a movie very quickly after theatrical release right so we're watching a movie and Ultra Magnus is going to open the Matrix and he can't so he's like damn it open and you're like. How grown up is this movie? And it's like, okay, that's fine. And then later, um, Spike and Bumblebee are trying to escape Unicron's tractor beam. (laughs) And and, uh, they set off a bomb and the bomb doesn't work. 
And Spike goes, oh, shit, what are we going to do now? <laughs> and we kids are like, oh, this is incredible. But then the movie comes out on uh, VHS and then also plays episodically, weirdly, that it fit perfectly yeah, into five episodes. It's crazy. crazy. Yeah. Weird. Um, and it's nowhere to be seen. And you just start thinking you're crazy. Because it becomes like, um, is this the Mandela effect? If there was such a term back then, because everyone kind of remembers that, but there's no proof. And also, um, there was. I mean, I remember yeah. there being a Mandela effect back then. I just want to put that put that out there. <laughs> but what was it called? <laughs> you, it was when I was reading this Berenstain Bears <laughs> book. Accepted me. <laughs> I did. Uh, You're welcome. <laughs> thank you very much. Um, but for a long time, you couldn't get this movie. Even on VHS, uh, yeah, I even, for a very long time. You remember that? I even had some friends in in film school who made a short film about it called The Quest, like trying to get a hold of this thing. Then finally, it comes out, and there's no curse word, and we're all like, "Do we imagine it?" And then finally, Shout Factory gets it. I believe it was Shout Factory, and they put out the curse version, and then we were all validated from yeah. our 1986 delusion. Yeah, yeah, the 25th anniversary DVD that I have, which is the one I watched for this. Does have the cursing in there? Yeah. Oh, excellent, excellent. Um, it also has the uh, Autobot Matrix of Knowledge mode, where it's like a pop-up video version of it. Uh, and, you have and to go buy another version, I, Jonathan. That, <laughs> I've learned that my attention okay. deficit is such that I need pop-up video to be fully engaged with anything anymore. <laughs> um. So, Joel, you're big on structure right yes yeah <laughs> talk about the structure of transformers the movie well that's what i was getting at i mean it is it i think andy nailed it that it does feel like a, a series of episodes i mean there definitely is an overarching plot that you can track yeah. but it is a lot of like little especially when there's like the part where everyone kind of gets sent to a different planet you know like we're all spread out into the world to have our own self-contained adventures before. Well, yeah, yeah, like the Quintessence and Sharktacons planet just feels like an episode of season two of Transformers. Also, Sharktacons, just chef's kiss on Sharktacons. <laughs> so good. It really, you're right, it does feel very self-contained. Yeah. But, and maybe for the second half of the show, um, better than uh, Oh boy, Last Jedi with the casino planet because things that happen on the Sharktacon planet come in handy later in the movie. You can't just lift it out. Also, then how are you going to get inside Unicron? You need the, the screw ship. Also, it has my favorite line in the movie is during that part, which is when they say, we're going to hold you in contempt of court. And he says, I have contempt for this court. Like, fantastic. Oh, that's, yeah. <laughs> that's another quibble I have with the quintessence scene is like so the quintessence judge is just lying and i don't get it <laughs> there's like how do you find guilty or innocent innocent immediate punishment that is not teaching kids the structure of, of the court system and <laughs> if there's one thing that or maybe it is teaching kids the structure of the court system um, I but, thought you were going to say that uh, clearly Christopher Nolan watched this and was inspired when Jonathan Crane uh, had his court 
in the Dark Knight yeah. Rises. <laughs> it works <laughs> the exact same way. <laughs> like either it's way, also like the Court of Miracles from the Hunchback. Of yeah, Dumb yeah. Is the same thing. Everything like if you're guilty, you're you're one of us. If you're innocent, you're going yeah, to hell. Like I, it just it seemed to like. It seemed too complex for a movie targeted at eight year olds <laughs> is, is like, like, why not just say guilty and punish them? And no matter what they did, they were guilty. Like, that just seems the path of least resistance to me. Sure. Well, uh, these kids, but, as we described, they're already feeling numb because they've watched all their favorite Transformers die. So I don't think it matters yeah, what you present at there that point. There are a lot of because uh, <laughs> I don't know among the Decepticons who was your guy, but I was a Starscream guy all the way. Oh, yeah. Starscream loves. And so. um and I appreciate that they kept the canon that when a Transformer dies, it loses all of its color because Starscream also, when Galvatron blasted him, lost all his color. He did. He did. And speaking of Galvatron, like now, granted, they started with Megatron mm-hmm. as a character name. Like, that's the best name. It's the best. <laughs> well, it's already Mega. Like, how do you? <laughs> right. Yeah. And like, they'd already done Ultra Magnus, so they couldn't do Ultratron. Right. <laughs> um, but like Galva like Galvatron's not a thing. <laughs> like it's so, even more of a nonsense word than most Transformer names. So let me ask you if you had this, speaking of Galvatron. Um having not with no access to the movie, no way to watch it, but having seen the movie and then moving into season three of the show where the movie characters show up and there's Galvatron and he sounds the way he sounds on that show. Did you forget that he was ever like super deep voiced Leonard Nimoy? I, I had to have, cause that was like, I think that was the biggest, cause I'd always remembered that Judd Nelson was hot rod in the right. movie. Um, just cause like, uh, I'm sorry, my the brother's way you, the way you describe hmm? it, I'm picturing you as a child being like, that's Judd Nelson. <laughs> well, no. I, so that's the thing is that so I am significantly younger than my older siblings and uh, my older brothers, they're eight and ten years older than me, were really pumped that Judd Nelson was in the movie because they were big fans of like the, they were the perfect age for the Brad Pack movies in 86. Right. You know, they were they were 16, 18, you know, right around there. So they're like, oh, Judd Nelson's harsh, you know. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, can we um, can we take a minute to talk? Because we've been talking. Obviously, we've we've dropped some names here. We've Judd sure. Nelson, Leonard Nimoy, Orson Welles, but Scatman Crothers. But like, can we just take? Maybe this is the time to really talk because this cast is wild. Like this voice, it's cast. Robert Stacked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, uh. But yeah, yeah, we got Robert Stack. Like um, Eric Idle. Yeah, <laughs> Eric Idle. And then all the best voice actors of the day. Casey Casey, Casey Kasem, Scatman Crothers, Frank Welker, uh, Peter Cullen. Did you catch the Casey Kasem joke in the movie? He does a countdown. Yeah, Yeah, there's a countdown. Yes. Uh, But also, yeah, shout out to, since we mentioned Starscream, uh, I know it's not a household name, but Christopher Collins, who was Starscream and uh, he was Cobra Commander when we talk about that movie as well. Like that. Chris Latta. It's weird. So I've always remembered him as Chris Latta as well. But he's also credited as Chris Collins in a bunch of things. I'm yeah. learning something right now. Are you serious? Yeah. 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 I'm reading his IMDb, name off like, of IMDb. His yeah. IMDb page is as really? Chris Collins. It's really because I'd always Chris Latta or Chris Latta was always how I'd remembered him. Yeah. Why does he have a second? Does he has he been in other things like live action as Chris Collins? I don't think so. 
We can't Maybe for a while he didn't want to, you know, be in his brother Phil's shadow. That's the rim shot you get for a Phil Collins. Yeah, that's, and and that's all. That's how that should be. Um, no, yeah, I, I think I looked into it, and that like he was, I think, adopted by a ste- a stepfather, and that's where the Collins came from. So like, oh, no, as he cool. got older, he decided to like use that name, but like Lada was his family name. Um, so I read up on it because I because when we were talking about planning that when joel and i were planning this month out that came up uh because i was like yeah chris lotta and, and joel's like i don't see because we also have a friend named sean lotta and yeah, we were joking awesome. about like are they related and they might be uh who knows uh but yeah so we were looking it's, it's chris collins in most places like that actor is listed as chris collins in a lot of places That's um true. even though he was definitely in the it, in the credits for the movie the version i have it he is chris in the Lada. All I, yeah, so I'm only going from I've never looked him up. Uh, I only just see his name in credits on the shows and in the movies. And, you know, you always look for it. You look for your favorites yeah. look for Greg Berger. And yeah. And um, so, yeah, I, I had no idea. I think that's really cool. Well, Shout Factory, if you're listening, uh, get it right. <laughs> after you make <laughs> after you make Hot Rod a slightly brighter pink on the next version. <laughs> also in, in 2026 for the 40th anniversary version. <laughs> Uh, by the way, the only other name I, w- I do want to make sure to mention is uh, Frank Welker, who's just like a titan of voice acting, oh, yeah. who does 50 voices in this pretty much. Yeah, he does half of the voices. He also like at this point, whenever they need someone to make animal noises, he's the go to. He's the go to. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's like he the cave of- in Ghostbusters. Yeah. He's the cave of wonders yeah. in uh, Aladdin. Like and Abu. Yeah. And- right. Yeah, he does everything. And, uh, uh, what's uh, what's the little creature in Futurama? Nibbler. Nibbler. Yeah. Yeah. No, he has. He's Nibbler an... when Nibbler doesn't have the deep voice, but like. When he's... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he also does Scooby Doo. I mean, he. Yeah. Oh, of course. Yeah, like he's no, he's he is in the pantheon of all. Like he's on the Mount Rushmore of voice actors. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a giant. Yeah, he is, and and I mean, and Peter Cullen just. Who has a better baritone than Peter Cullen? I submit no one. Not Maybe Orson Welles. Well, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> as, as I was saying that, I was like, wait a minute. He doesn't even have the best baritone in the movie. <laughs> but I mean, the crazy Let's thing revisit. about Peter Cullen is that even Michael Bay was like, well, I mean, what am I going to do? Like, I got <laughs> like every other character yeah. is recast, except no, that's the voice that you will hear. No, that's what Optimus Prime sounds like. <laughs> that's just Optimus Prime. Yeah, so that's, it's yeah. why you can't. It's it's like J.K. Simmons playing uh, J. Jonah Jameson at this point. Like, you just right. accept that that is the right casting and it doesn't matter if you reboot it. You have to get him. Right. It's it's just, you know, how it is. I do um, have... Oh, go well, ahead. Okay. No, I, <laughs> um, I do have one piece of uh, testimonial from someone who hasn't seen the movie. So when the movie got re-released in theaters last year obviously i made it a priority to go see it and um not wanting to go alone i just bought tickets and just was like there's tickets come with me i have them already um so uh brought one of my uh good friends his wife my wife and our daughters and only i had was really familiar with the movie and everyone had basically the same note which was like uh that was a lot of action like every scene is action. <laughs> There's more action than dialogue. 
And I never realized that before because I'm just swept up in the wonder. I'm lost in the, what was it? Lost a beautiful puzzle. <laughs> yes, <it>. yeah. <laughs> a beautiful puzzle of wonder. Um, but yeah, so that kind of got me thinking. Every, every scene is action. Like, you know, have a conversation and then a Dinobot will bust through a wall or Decepticons will rain from the sky or a planet will turn into Orson Welles. Um, if this I was going to make a bad way, joke about Orson Welles turning into a planet, but that's oh, body that's shaming. That's beneath oh, you. That's don't. Planet yeah. shaming. Yeah. <laughs> um, if this was made today, live action, what's the budget? Fourteen trillion dollars. Fourteen trillion dollars. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's it, the budget's asterisk. You couldn't make this. You couldn't make this movie live action today shot for shot. It would be way I, too expensive. I, I know what you guys mean, but it's just, that's become such a uh, like talking point. Of, you couldn't make this movie today. So it's just very funny to me to be like, you couldn't make Transformers today. <laughs> cancel culture's alive and well. They're trying to cancel Grimlock. <laughs> Which, I'm glad you mentioned Grimlock because... Grimlock, problematic. <laughs> uh, no, I'm glad you guys mentioned Grimlock because is uh you mentioned your favorite um like i guess second tier or whatever we're calling that but grimlock has always been my favorite like non oh non first because the dinobots like, oh man but yeah. also Combined just transformers and dinosaurs hell oh sign an eight-year-old andy mcintyre up well that yeah. i mean first of all yes the fact that he was a dinosaur amazing but also just i love the me grimlock like the fact that nobody else why does he talk like that nobody else talks like that like because for me have primitive brains they're based on dinosaurs so all the dinobots have poor grammar but he's, you know, they Grimlock do. is amazing and he's amazing in this movie. But he's also incredibly well-read because he makes an allusion to Of Mice and Men. <laughs> <laughs> Me, Grimlock, unfairly judged for speech patterns. <laughs> Tell Grimlock again about the rabbits. <laughs> oh, man. Um... That's the thing is like, and just speaking to the fact that this is sort of a nonstop action thrill ride. Yes. Like, I felt kind of like the ending felt less climactic as a result because it's not any more action packed other than there being a giant planet sized robot with bat wings and yeah. just cool set of horns. Um, that like other than that, there's like really nothing to stand it out from like the opening fight at Metroplex, which is super awesome. And a few that like the, the a lot of the Sharktacon stuff is as you know, so I think that does have diminishing returns because they don't really heighten and they kind of because they hit it such a high like that final that first battle at Metroplex is there's as much happening in that as like the airport fight in uh, Captain America Civil War. <laughs> With as many characters to keep track of and as many different like sub stories like that's like how much is going on in that scene. And then and they it, it, there's not a ton of places to go. Well, that's I'm maybe because I feel like we can probably uh, pivot pretty Fully soon. Pivot. But uh, we've been really hard on this movie so far, obviously. Yo, like, it's brutal. really gone through the <laughs> ringer. But uh, no, I mean, maybe one final thing to say before we, we get to just openly gushing is. Maybe I just want to pose this question to you, and I don't know that this is the movie's fault, but based on everything you just said, Andy, is it fair to say that Michael Bay 
watched this and learned all the wrong lessons about how to make a transformer movie like based on just make it a hundred you know make it like non-stop action and you know make it all indistinguishable highs you know like that it's all at the same level the whole time well because like the first michael bay transformers movie is the only one that approaches watchability i i think dark of the moon is pretty solid they all are all a blur to me. You might be right about that. <laughs> Which one has Stanley Tucci? The, whichever one has Stanley Tucci is the best one because I was like, is Stanley Tucci in this? What, what is happening? And that, that mesmerized me. Age of Extinction. And then he reprised, well, he reprised his role. He became Merlin for uh, <laughs> The Last Night. I haven't seen The but, Last um, Night, but yeah, I think I, it was Age of Extinction. Uh, yeah. 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 Um, so for the pivot, it's a perfect pivot because. Um, I respectfully disagree. Um, I, when, if you haven't seen the film and you're not thinking about it, you're just enjoying yourself, when the planet changes to a robot, I, I'm, to this day, I've never (laughs) seen anything that epic. Like, no, that part's or not. Like, that's the, that's the biggest thing to ever happen in cinema. (laughs) A planet changing into a giant robot nothing's bigger than that and nothing can be so for me it completely changes the dynamic of the final battle and then they last jedi you by having like sure like there's a space battle going on or whatever uh see last jedi return of the jedi excuse me and then they go inside and you've got like a personal battle between hot rod and galvatron it's it's great it's great no it is Great. But like, again, I feel like it doesn't hit as hard as if they had had a steady crescendo leading up to it. Because it's broken into episodes. Probably yes. uh-huh. Actually, yeah. Every 22 what? minutes, it every, has to hit. Every episode. Every yeah. 22 minutes. Back. Just it, it yeah. just. Yeah. yeah. Um, but to fully pivot. Yes. Dude, the soundtrack slaps. The soundtrack slaps. <sighs> the soundtrack is so good. You you know some idiot out there has it on vinyl. (laughs) (laughs) He says, holding up the soundtrack on vinyl. (laughs) I literally just obtained this about. Oh, that's awesome! But no, like uh, the touch by Stan Bush is like one of the all-time '80s power rock anthems. Uh, so much so that it was like uh, parodied in Boogie Nights. It really was. Yeah, it really was. Riley singing it. Um, and it's just like it's everything about like '80s cheesy rock access. Uh, the version of the Transformers theme by Lion. Come on, it's so good. Transformers, like it's it's so good, so good. Um, all the the score by Tom. I mean, Di Nicola, who did a lot of the stuff in Rocky Four, is like really great. The soundtrack is. The soundtrack goes way harder than a movie made for eight-year-olds ever needed to. And and for that, I salute you, Taylor Entis <laughs> Production Company. Well, can we also talk about the most delightfully perplexing needle drop in the movie, which is Dare to be Stupid. <laughs> so here's a weird thing. There, I saw this movie at such a, I don't know, it was like a weird, impressionable, perfect time uh, where I hadn't seen much else you know just a kid just who likes cartoons um then i saw the movie 
and then began to learn about all those things that the movie was influenced by. So when I learned about Orson Welles, I'm sitting in class going like, oh, the guy from Transformers, the movie. <laughs> and then when I saw Breakfast Club, I was like, oh, that's Hot Rod. <laughs> and when I heard Dare to be Stupid, I was like, the Junkion theme. So everything's <laughs> completely reversed for me. Yeah, and as it, as it should be for people our age. <laughs> <laughs> I uh, The Orson Welles thing, I mean, it is a silver lining for me, too, because I am a huge Orson Welles fan, and I find it endlessly fascinating that a guy who's most famous for making a movie about someone at the end of their life uh, saying something perplexing and nonsensical ended his life uh, playing this character like on screen saying something perplexing and nonsensical <laughs> yeah it's poetic well it's, like and that was I, I at least had a passing awareness of orson wells i think because like i was a huge fan of the muppets and their universes uh, cross paths a few times and for like that made me like i knew standard the orson movie wells, star contract it, that he gives them right, at the end exactly. of the muppet movie yeah yeah, yeah. um right. and so like I knew that it was a weird thing that Orson Welles was in this movie. Like, I knew that didn't fit. Yeah, it, it's funny because I when I saw this, like when I was a kid, I had absolutely no idea who Orson Welles was. And I didn't know that he was in the movie. I don't even think I started thanks to cartoons. I think my first awareness of Orson Welles was that brain sounded like him and Pinky in the brain. <laughs> and then yes. it like it started because I think I heard that. And then like you hear the War of the Worlds broadcast or whatever. And you're like, wait, that that guy's who brain is supposed to sound like, like, and then I, you know, from there, uh, but yeah, endlessly fascinating figure that like, he's good in this though. I mean, that's the thing is like, he's definitely, he, he, his he health, brings it. Yeah. His health wasn't great as he was recording this. Uh, but like, he gives the gravitas that the character deserves. That Unicron needs. Yeah. So this, how much was it to make this now? 17 trillion. Is that Something correct? Like that, yeah. So our seventeen trillion dollar live action uh, remake. Uh, who do you cast as Unicron now? You use the who same audio. Same <laughs> audio. <laughs> Reuse it, note line for line, note for note. It's not. Who's going to do it better? No one. I will. No one will do it better. Are you going to have Maurice Lamarche do his Orson Welles impression? I mean, you could do Fuck that. Out of I, here with that. I was going to say. Uh, I'm trying to find the guy, Fred. Uh, Melamed is that the guy's name is he's my casting for late in life Orson Welles so we could always get him the he's the like quintessential yeah that guy actor that was in WandaVision <laughs> like, yes yeah so he's the only other but name that comes to mind the, I don't think he has the baritone that you need to be he has a deep voice I think he because he was in that movie in a world like he played the in a world yeah. voiceover guy so he can, he can bring it I think if need be but it's either him or yeah like you have to get the brain those are the only options <laughs> or I, again I think since you know he since Unicron is going to be CGI mm -hmm. just use the same audio it's true yeah is it CGI though <laughs> Can we get a guy no, in an orange jumpsuit? Yeah, let's just do suitmation. <laughs> okay, this is how we're going to save money. We're going to go down to, uh, like, Hollywood. We're going to go to the, the Chinese theater and just get all of the... Oh, yeah, just grab somebody. And we'll yeah. just grab the people like, in the Transformers. You have a Unicron vibe to you. Yeah. <laughs> 
We'll show him a picture and be like, this is your costume. You have to put it together yourself. You have four days. Yeah. <laughs> um, this movie does everything right for what it was supposed to be. I think. Oh, yeah, I agree. Um, with maybe one caveat that ended up being the best thing that ever happened to Transformers, the IP. We'll get to it in a second. But um, it being episodic. Like no kid is bored. You can't be bored. You know, it, it's 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 impossible unless you don't like laser blasts. Then yes, then maybe this then is it's real boring. Then it's real boring. They transform every ten seconds. Yeah, and that's the magic of the whole thing, right? In fact, that's honestly the, one of my biggest complaints about the Michael Bay movies: not enough transforming. Yeah, I know that sounds dumb, but they don't do it enough. And sometimes they do it off screen. I'm like, what are we doing here? Well, and it's weird, especially for like a movie like that, that is, as we're talking about, very expensive to make, that they don't spend more time with actual vehicles that you wouldn't have to render as computer. Like you could just have the vehicle modes be real vehicles and then have them transform and probably save yourself millions of dollars by showing them as vehicles more. They do that a lot, um, but they don't. It's it, You're right. It's like the Spider-Man CG effect. It's like, you can have a guy in a suit standing there doing that. Why do you have a CG Spidey? Right. Um, but yeah, um, it's just like, I just, I love the rhythm of it. I love, I, as a kid, and now I love all the different settings. I love how different they look. It's very much, they took a lot. Hasbro in general and Sunbow, the animation company and whoever else was involved, uh, in that time, took a lot of uh, their notes from Star Wars, right? In fact, they use their sound effects throughout. Like, you'll hear, like, a lot of uh, Star Wars, Lucasfilm sound effects in this movie. Um, but it's like, we're on the snow planet, we're on the volcano planet, we're on the forest planet. They do the same thing here, but just everything's metal. And it's just fun watching the palette change from, like, we're all blue, we're all orange, this is the purple place, this is the junk place. It's, I don't know, man, it's, um, it's a feast. It's a feast for an ADD kid you know also they, it, and they keep it just hit me that as you were saying that that hasbro was like let's do the star wars thing and it's like the different locations it's like no the different toys like let's <laughs> <laughs> that's correct yeah, yeah 100%. Uh, the one caveat i mentioned was killing off all your favorite characters including optimus prime um which you know they have said was a mistake and you can see because they bring him back constantly uh, and immediately. But, and I'm sure you guys have thought about this, um, that thorn that they put in you as a kid uh, just created this mythos around this movie. And I think it powers the Transformers IP because we're all still wounded from it and just keep feeding off of it. It's it's very crazy. Well, and uh, one of the things, again, I know we keep talking about this other movie that we're going to talk about at the end of the month, but I, a lot of the stuff I was reading this too was that this and the G.I. Joe movie were being developed at the same time. And originally, both of them were going to kill off, like Duke was going to die. And they kind of saw the reaction to this and they changed it and put him in a coma because they were like, no, 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 no. Sorry. Nope. (laughs) So this made them gun shy. Yeah. If I'm not invited back for G.I. Joe the movie, (laughs) keep your ears open for this. Every reference to the coma is all off screen. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, like, and I mean, this is getting a few weeks ahead of ourselves, but like, 
the line in the original script in the original plates is he's gone. And then mm. real obviously, like with you can hear like the the needle pick up and drop again into a coma. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last shot of the movie as the spores are disintegrating uh, in the atmosphere. <laughs> like you hear someone, I think it's Doc, comes over the radio. He's like, Duke's going to be okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, they learned their lessons, but, um, yeah, I, man, I think between the soundtrack, between the pace, between introducing all the new toys, um, some of them being pretty cool. Uh, I feel like this movie just completely nailed what it was trying to do. And by the way, have we talked about the animation? It's good. It does look good. It's, yeah. It's the artwork is like, phenomenal. It's so good. Well, especially like, by like eighties, eighties like cartoon standards too. Like they they put money into oh, yeah. this. Like it looks good. I mean, honestly, probably compared to like the rest of the Transformers run, like the other episode. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah, that was the thing. Like this looks like the opening to Thundercats or Mighty Orbots or something. Like it looks beautiful throughout. You know, there's problems here and there. Like you know, something's not colored in, something's miscolored or something. But like, hot rods, hot I, pink. Hot rods, hot pink. I can't. I don't know who allowed it. I don't know who greenlighted the idea of like, let's go all out. But no other 80s properties did that for their movie. You've seen GoBots, Battle of the Rock Lords. You've seen Smurfs and the Magic Flute. All these things, like they, they went just as cheap as they possibly could. And Transformers went the other way. And I think they reap the benefits because like, I don't want to watch those other movies. This one, I can, I love the look of it. It's beautiful. Well, and that is if you're going to take a TV show, I think The Simpsons did this well, too. Like if you're going to take something that's established and make it a theatrical release, it has to look significantly better the movie than the TV show or else. Why are you seeing it in a movie theater? Right. Yeah. We and know that now. Right. Yeah. But back I, then, yeah, they didn't know that then. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. It's like they were soothsayers. But it is weird, yeah, too, that like. So when you saw it as a kid, you would have seen the uh, like letterboxed version, right? Which because apparently they did a fake uh, like letterbox aspect ratio because it, the correct aspect ratio is the TV, like the four three, which is what if you get it now is like the Blu-ray and everything. But they did a fake widescreen version basically to make it look cinematic. But all they did was cut off the top and bottom uh, during the like movie and apparently none of those negatives exist like they've been destroyed (laughs) yeah didn't know that uh that's that's, it's really unfortunate apparently there's like sort of similar to star wars i was reading that there's like a fan edit where they've gone around and bought as many of the old film film reels as they can to like reassemble a cut but there's no official negatives like the the original like the studio does not have a version of this movie that was released in theaters it only has the like the tv version see this is part of hot rod gate this is why he's getting pinker and pinker (laughs) (laughs) no one can go back to the original negative and go like oh it's red by the way speaking of toys this is a, a slight diversion but speaking of toys like have you seen i'm surprised that it's not on that desk behind you with all your other toys the Optimus Prime that they're selling now that is a legit robot, robot that you like press a yeah. button and it transforms. 
That's a killer figure. Um, I don't have it for two reasons. One, it was like a thousand dollars when they were releasing it originally. But second, and this is like like this is a very expensive Unicron, so it's not like I I'm not fundamentally against throwing a ton of money on a figure. But um, my favorite thing to do with the Transformers is to transform them. Like it's what I do when I'm waiting for someone to return a call and I'm waiting for feedback from a client when I'm waiting for something to render, I just grab a figure and I just start flipping it back and forth. It's like my fidget spinner. So um, it's just not that attractive uh, a thing for me. Does that unicron turn into a planet or is it just a mecha? Oh, that's awesome. Okay, so <laughs> look, I mean, this doesn't play on the- 30 minutes, but it's pretty great. Oh, see, I was going to say, like, I was like, this doesn't play on the podcast, but I kind of, before you leave this video chat, want to see you transform that into a planet. <laughs> <laughs> it takes forever. Oh, no. Um, it's a workout. Like, you, you legit, like, start building up a sweat by the time you're putting the last spherical panels in place. You're like, oh, my God. That's that's delightful. Heavy. Um. No, that I think and I think that was like the thing that appealed to me about Transformers as a toy in general was like I was never a huge like cars and trucks kid. Um, I was always more like action figures and that thing was more like my wheelhouse and Transformers was really the best of both worlds. It's an action figure. It's a vehicle and it's a puzzle. It's the best toy. That's another tagline for the movie. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah it's an action figure it's a vehicle it's a puzzle god when they made like those six changers that could change into six different forms like oh i love that those yeah were, like, i never had them i never had them i had the decepticon one i don't remember what he was called but i had six shot i, I think it was six shot because he turned into a, he turned into a six shooter was one of the forms yeah it was like a gun a beast a dude a ship and several others yeah a car you know all the things yeah Yeah. um yeah weird that one of the forms was a flying wolf but (laughs) that's right (laughs) um no this movie like i this is the first time i'd watched it in many many years uh just because you know it's there's so much content out there but like i legit had a smile on my face the entire time like I don't know that I could, in good conscience, give this a high recommendation to someone that doesn't have the nostalgia for it. Sure. But like, if you have the nostalgia for this movie, give it a watch again, because I think it'll put a smile on your face. If you have any fond memories of Transformers or the movie or anything like that, this is like a lot of the best things about being a kid in the mid 80s. Yeah. How did it play for the kids that you showed it to, like when you went to the theater? No fidgeting, which That's was good. interesting. <laughs> yeah. You know, but again, it's like. It now, was that because they were having seizures because of all the bright images <laughs> passing on the screen? There is a lot of yeah. that photosensitive strobing yeah. in this movie. Um, but, like, I don't know, like, uh, in the words of my tween daughter, um, it's busting. <laughs> she, That's she, high praise. Yeah. High praise, right? Um, like, she occasionally, I'm not saying it's like her favorite movie at all. And of course, a lot of it is like probably her trying to placate me so that she can be on the iPad more. But every <laughs> once in a while, she'll be like, hey, you should find Transformers a movie. I'm like, yes, it's a great idea. Yes, I should. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, no complaints. The, the other cool thing about the movie is, you know how 
the eighties has this aura to it. It's like become legendary this time. People who weren't there, they don't know what the eighties was. They're like, everything was made of lasers. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was chrome unicorns. But somehow um, it was also really brown. And people forget about how brown the 80s were. That's the thing. That's the thing. But that's not part of the 80s legend. Like no. the 80s legend is the purple and pink and chrome and, you know. Um, the Lisa Frank movie, fever dream. Yes. This movie is the essence of the legend of the 80s with the rock music and the bright colors and the purples with the oranges. Lasers everywhere. This movie might actually out heavy metal, heavy metal, the movie. <laughs> like, <laughs> uh, you know, I think you might be right, especially if we're talking about the 80s lens, because heavy metal skews 70. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, this is essentially yeah. like the 80, the quintessential 80s, like heavy metal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because none of the artists are artists that did anything of note otherwise. Except Weird Al, how dare you? Except for, well, okay, no, <laughs> clearly except for Weird Al. <laughs> but it's so weird That's that true. he's on this soundtrack at all. It's so it's weird. True. No, it's it's utterly bizarre because it's, yeah, I, I don't know how that choice was made, but I, that, I mean, like, yeah. It, like, it makes sense that Stan Bush and Lion are on the soundtrack. Yes, uh, <laughs> it does. You know, uh, but like, no, Weird Al, I, Weird Al's, I'm a huge fan. I love everything he does. I've seen him in concert with the National Symphony Orchestra. It was the weirdest experience of my life. That's amazing. It was I so good. Concert, uh, on Sunday, because he's nice. touring right now. Yeah. And he did Dare to be Stupid. And I was going from Transformers, the movie, because <laughs> I still I can't. Right. It. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's where it is. Um, but like, you know, this movie is like. I don't even think it knew how 80s it was at the time, but this might be the most like people can talk about Breakfast Club or Back to the Future or any number of things that are, are super like this might be the 80s, this 80s movie that there is. Tagline. <laughs> We're just nailing tagline. Shout Factory, when you do the 40th anniversary edition, holler at your boys. Yeah, 80s movie there is. After you finish re-pinkening Hot Rod. <laughs> <laughs> a pink pass. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, another another pink pass. Which yeah. is very different from the other pass that you coined. Oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. yes. All right. Well, we definitely did it. And I think all that's left is to, uh, I don't know what, if you want to plug. I, we haven't mentioned this episode, but if people have listened, I'm sure they know that you uh, make ring gear for professional wrestlers. And that's amazing. And they should follow you on Instagram. They should. They should follow me at Davenpo on Instagram. Um, all kinds of cool stuff. I recently started posting um, <laughs> deleted scenes, a bunch of uh, gear concepts that weren't chosen to be made. And, you know, I don't know if that's interesting to everyone, but I think it's neat. Also, it's, can I, I think it's interesting. Can I tell you my favorite thing that you posted? I have never told you this, but uh, I love... <laughs> That, this is going to be awful. Well, no, I love what the thing you started doing now, which is you'll post the gear with a little figure of the person wearing it. And like, it's it's like a very great like you'll have a version of them that like I assume you drew that you're putting clothes on. That reminds me of like Cher from Clueless that I picture you in front of your computer, like putting the gear onto your little avatar for every wrestler. And it makes me very happy. Thank you. That is, that, I, I was like, what's he mean? I forgot about that. Yeah. You know, so a lot of it, um, a lot of 
the reason that I'm able to work as quickly as I can when I can is the templates, which I've been developing over the last eight years. Um, but sometimes uh, a performer wants to go with a brand new look, a brand new silhouette, and I don't have a template for that, you know? So I just started making these like 3D renders of the character and just trying things out because sometimes things will like break out of the silhouette. You'll have like bigger shoulder pads. You'll have, you know, who knows what effort. Um, so it's always hilarious when, like I did one for uh, Apollo Crews recently. And so it's always great when my wife walks in and there's just this big buff naked dude, super zoomed in on his abs on my computer and i'm like oh hello <laughs> my job. it's fun that would be great too like if your daughter if she's at school like what does your dad do for a living <laughs> like oh. he dresses men <laughs> shiny pants for fighting boys <laughs> That's your tagline. It's a tagline for Design Mode Studios, yeah, I yeah. think. <laughs> Shiny pants for fighty boys. Oh, man. I don't think we're going to top that. So I think. Yeah. Silver Linings Playback is a production of Hobotrashcan.com. If you enjoyed the show, please rate or review it on Apple Podcasts. Hear more great shows on the Peak Sloth Podcast Network, like this one. We have to ask. It's a podcast where we answer the question, are you going to eat that? What will you leave behind? Why get out of bed? Will you be our neighbor? I'm Marty. And I'm Jonathan. We're two hosts. Infinite Universes. We, we have, have to, to ask. ask. New interviews every Tuesday. Find us on iTunes or online at wehavetoask.com or with the other great podcasts on the Peak Sloth Network at peaksloth.com. Peaksloth.com.